This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and I am here with the one and the only fabulous Pentecostal minister, Donald Guffey. Say hello, Donald. Hello, world. Regular co-host for the show. He's He's been on here quite a bit. For longtime listeners of Sacred Tension, you know Donald very well. He comes on to talk often about feminism and theology and LGBT issues and all sorts of stuff. So today, we're going to do something a bit fun. There have been lots of heavy interviews here on Sacred Tension lately. So for this week, we're going to do something fun. Donald is going to walk me through a tour of uh, misbehaving ministers in the world, and we're going to discuss them and probably laugh a lot and try to figure out why they do what they do. If only we could figure out why they do what they do. <laughs> We've been trying uh, to do that forever. So, by the way, all the material that we're going to use in this show is used with permission by People for the American Way. It's from the website Right Wing Watch, which is a right-wing watchdog group where they just investigate all the crazy bullshit that people on the far right say and document it so that people like us can, you know, pick it apart and have fun with it. Our thanks to the very good people over at Right Wing Watch and the people for the American Way because they've been doing this for years and I don't know how they stay sane. I don't know either. As a matter of fact, we were talking about this yesterday. I really want you to try to get the two main people that write these articles on for an interview because I want to know if they're okay. I would love that. I would love to have them on the show because I've been reading Right Wing Watch for about a decade now and it's the same people. I'm pretty sure, like, it's the same P, and they're just doing it every single day. And I'm like, how do you mainline this insanity every single day and not go absolutely nuts? I mean, for a Facebook post not too long ago, I actually, was it a Facebook post? It was for something. And I actually went for the first time to Breitbart.com, and I wanted to throw up a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, I have defiled myself <laughs> by doing this. I totally understand. I stalk a lot of alt-right websites. You know, I occasionally go to Breitbart. I go to, of course, I'm always on Right Wing Watch, which isn't an alt-right website, but they catalog all their stuff. I occasionally go to the Daily Stormer, which is like, oh a, dear, <laughs> which is like a white, scary white nationalist group. You, you are just a glutton for punishment, aren't you? Yes, I am. I mean, it's fascinating to me. There's this morbid fascination that I have with regressive ideologies and why people believe what they believe, things that are mm -hmm. so obviously lunatic. You know me, I'm fascinated with things like cults and crazy psychological concepts. And That's like, why we love each other so much. Yes, exactly. And and so I'm, I'm fascinated by this stuff. So hopefully we will just be finding this stuff hilarious, but hopefully we can have some conversations about maybe why is it that people find this appealing? Well, one of the reasons I wanted to do this with you was because this was the world that I lived in for a very long time. Right. And uh, as a matter of fact, for the listeners, how long have we been friends now? It's been, we're, we're approaching a decade, aren't I we, kind of? I think we're approaching a decade, yeah. So, story time, listeners. When I first met Stephen... I'm still very much in that charismatic, evangelical, conservative world at this time. You were holiness Pentecostal, weren't you? I still am. They probably don't like the fact that I am, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> I just happen to be an affirming, liberal, holiness Pentecostal who is now a Reiki practitioner. So, you know, they have all kinds of things to play with. <laughs> 
And I love your tarot card episode, so, you know. Oh, thank you. But anyway, so I got uh, we meet for the first time at Montreat College. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I do. I do remember this. Well, you were and stalking me on Facebook for a while. I was, you know. Facebook, I was still new to Facebook, and I thought, well, I, I'm not going to meet a stranger, so I might as well, you know, try to see what they're about. Uh-huh. And I don't think your Facebook page at the time really did you justice. Uh-huh. How so? <laughs> you know, you know, because I knew you were got you were you were still gothic at the time and whatnot. But I just what my little holiness mind was just not prepared for you to walk out in a kilt. <laughs> <laughs> yes and and for listeners who are curious i'm still goth but just on the inside my heart is goth actually i'm just now a satanist i just joined the satanic temple so it really was you that and other things but you were a big part in getting me to kind of step outside of that world and and look back into it and and see the the insanity of it all well, that is a very high compliment. Thank you so much. So yeah, so we'll get we'll get started. So one of the things I wanted to do, I mean, you've done a right wing watch before with with Danielle. That was one of your earlier episodes, and they were mostly political. And these are too, but they're from a slightly different bent. Because as a holiness Pentecostal, I wanted to do right wing watch preacher edition, naughty preacher edition. <laughs> Pastors behaving badly. Pastors gone wild. Pastors gone wild. Yes. <laughs> so the, the first one I've got is from our wonderful friend whose compound is just up the street from me here in Cleveland, Tennessee, and that is Perry Stone. Oh, my God. Now... For listeners who don't know who Perry Stone is, he is a popular TV preacher who specializes in prophecy, end times, uh, Jewish stuff, and he is notorious for making false predictions. And always these really obscure things that he gets from unnamed millionaires and rabbis and people that take him, that are undisclosed, that take him to undisclosed locations where he finds undisclosed things <laughs> yes and, uh, you know so i mean he's a rabbit trail all by himself so i've got two stories about him one's a personal one and this one is actually the headline so his latest thing you'll appreciate this Stephen, is he says many world leaders are luciferians who pray to satan before dinner <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, as an actual Luciferian, I say that tongue-in-cheek, people. Seriously, don't kill me. As an actual Luciferian, I take high offense to that. And this is by Kyle Mantilla, is that how you say yes, his name? Yes, Kyle Mantilla, or something like that. He, he's one of our yeah. laboring friends here, endlessly documenting the far right. Right, forgive me, Kyle, if I mispronounce your name. For listeners, it's M-A-N-T-Y-L-A, so however that's pronounced correctly. I'm from Appalachia, forgive me. Okay, so it says here that End Times Pastor Perry Stone recently delivered a sermon in which he recalled a meeting he had a few years ago with a billionaire businessman. Uh-huh, undisclosed. Undisclosed. I wonder if he was a certain orange person that we know. <laughs> 
<laughs> who informed him that many world leaders are Luciferians who bow their heads in prayer to Satan before dinner. Oh, very good. This is Perry Stone speaking. He said something to me that I will never forget, and this is probably going to amaze some of you. Stone said, this is kind of how he talks, by the way. He said, you'd be shocked how many of the world leaders, especially in Europe, are Luciferians. Of course, in Europe. Of course. Yes. This is a secret cabal of people, Stone continued. He said these individuals are from ca- are from the Catholic and Orthodox backgrounds. So they had a Christian background when they were raised. But as they got older and were educated in the universities, <laughs> they had a twisted concept of Lucifer or Satan. <laughs> it's the universities, I tell you. Oh, my God. So this is actually hitting into a long and noble tradition in in right-wing quackery of basically tapping into the satanic panic stuff, which I have mm-hmm. covered on this show quite a bit. And yeah, I have... and I've, fascinating. Yeah, it is. And I've talked to <clears throat> people from Grey Faction, which is a branch of the satanic temple, which specifically combats this this bullshit. And so this stuff is is culturally really deeply rooted for us in America. This stuff goes way back. Well, and we're also hitting on... See, Perry Stone was particularly interesting to me because he's from this exact same tradition I am. Okay. Uh, up until very recently, he retained his credentials in the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, which was the denomination that I was raised in. And it is also the school, the denomination that sponsors the university my undergrad is from and that sponsors the seminary I now go to. By the way, we have extended several invitations to Perry Stone to come and get a degree with us, which he continues to decline. It means he'll become a Luciferian. I know. Well, you know, speaking of which, there is an old joke that I heard growing up all the time. They used to refer to a seminary as the cemetery. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is, you know, where your faith goes to die, basically. Uh-huh. So anyway, so Stone claims that he was told by this businessman that these world leaders misinterpret a passage from the Bible to conclude that Satan owns world kingdoms, which leads them to believe that if we associate ourselves with Satan and we give our allegiance to him, he has the power to give us the world kingdoms, to give us counties and nations and make a lot of money. Uh-huh. Here's always the question that comes up for me when I hear this stuff. Because to me, I think, how can someone in a position of leadership actually believe this? I think it's easier for people who are under his authority or who are receiving it to believe it. But I think it's hard. I, I don't know. This is just my intuition and might be completely wrong. But I think it's harder for people in authority and power to believe this stuff. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but that's what my intuition says. So I guess my question is all Always, does he actually believe this or is he just spewing shit because he know that it is financially expedient for him? I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Because I've got some tea, sis. Okay. So uh, there's just a couple more uh, little snippets here from this thing and then it's over. According to Stone, this unnamed businessman said that he has attended dinners with really high-level business people in some of the nations of Europe, at which the guests must rise together and pray to our father Lucifer before eating. (laughs) 
Okay. You in my ha- you in my house, you do what I tell you to do. I, why can't I be invited? I would love to be invited. I know, I know, right? Also, if it, this is such a big deal, why not expose their names? Like that's what kind of calls bullshit on this whole thing. Is that? I know he ne- he never does that. He, he never, never does that. Does that? None of these people do. They all say, you know, these powerful people in Europe or at the height of power in America or whatever that they're doing all these nefarious occult things and i'm like well then just say who they are yeah it and so this is perry stone speaking again he says it absolutely happens stone said i know for a fact that there are people in high places who have dedicated or given themselves over to lucifer now this next this next this next line i didn't really read the full thing until now so some of this is new to me too Mm -hmm. this is really good considering who he tells everybody to vote for listen to this (laughs) if you're going to be a world leader and have an effective leadership, then you are going to have to somehow, in some way, align yourself in the allegiance of Satan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Donald Trump. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, and yet, okay, so here's the tea, dear. So I decided to go with some friends because, like I said, his compound, and it is a compound. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. You know, Waco doesn't have anything on this. Wow. So uh, are there weapons and underage children? Probably, moving on. Probably, and they're all, I mean, half of them are probably packing. I mean, it is Cleveland, it is Tennessee. But, uh, you know, one of the particular things that gets on my nerves is he renamed the street that his compound is on. He renamed it Azusa Street. Uh Uh-oh. You know, that's a whole thing. Go listen to the Gay Catholic Pentecostal Christmas episode for a long history on Azusa Street. If you're not Pentecostal, you probably don't know what it is. Anyway, that is our sake. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a total slap in the face. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go with some friends on Halloween night, coincidentally, because, you know, no haunted house could top this. (laughs) I mean, the worship was good. The music was good. They had the human video drama teams. Human video drama teams? You don't know what... You don't know what that is. Okay. No. This is an evangelical phenomenon that actually we have competitions for. It is kind of a choreographed skit to music. Some involve that can involve anything oh. from gymnastics. Yeah, we used to do that. We used to do that in YWAM. Okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Many people call them many different things. So there was that. That was good, you know, back and forth. So Perry gets up. And I don't know if this part was recorded or not. I'd love to go back and see because I was with a friend who happened to be a Latina woman and we gave each other the biggest WTF stare in the world. Because one of our Romanian friends had encouraged us to go with him. So we went with him. And I thought, why not? I need the kicks. Presumably he went because he was into it. Presumably. And I I don't know if he was after we left because we ended up leaving early. Me and a Latina friend were like, we want to get We want to leave. So he gets up and he proceeds. First of all, he proceeds to pray against all the witches who are casting spells against Donald Trump. Because, you know, I mean, what else are you going to do on Halloween? I mean, here's here's one of the things that makes me really happy about this, though, is, yes, these ideas are dangerous. I think bad ideas are dangerous, and I think that these are a lot of very bad, unfounded ideas. Here's the thing, though. I'd rather that witches and, and you know, crazy right-wing evangelicals, that they just pray against each other rather than throw bombs at each other. I mean, when it comes to, like, the, the most ineffective form of combat, like, this is it. 
Very true. You know, because eventually, I guess they just cancel each other out in the ether or something. So he proceeds to say, and I still really can't say this with a with a straight face, which is okay because straight is not a word we use on this podcast. <laughs> so he proceeds to say that he's gotten some special insight uh-huh. that Kim Jong-un released the Black Plague into Africa uh-huh. as a test run before he releases it on the United States. Uh-huh. And that this Black Plague, whoever survives this Black Plague, that's what's going to bring about this great new move of God that everybody's expecting. Okay. All because little Kim Jong Yum Yum decides to release the Black Plague. Okay. I'm sure it's all true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, the other T is that, speaking to your earlier question of whether he really believes it or not, I would say that the answer to both of those questions about the financial and the belief, I would say, are both yes. Okay. And the reason I say this is because one of the perks about living in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is the Pentecostal Vatican City, <laughs> literally the Church of Cod headquarters is moments away from me. Sure. And uh, so I was in class with the former first lady of the Church of God. Her husband was the general overseer. Okay. And they now pastor the mother church here right outside my window. Mm, mm-hmm. And, uh, we were talking about it because here at the seminary, we make fun of Perry Stone all the time. He's the biggest joke since I don't know what. Right. But uh, they were talking and she said, and she brought up, she's like, oh, yeah, when he gets a prophecy wrong, he just kind of laughs it off and is like, yeah, I really missed that one. Because he's real, he's real close with this other church. See, his church meets on Tuesday nights and on Sunday he sends many members and a lot of money to the mother church. Okay, I see, yeah. And uh, probably going to get in trouble for telling you this, but who from the Church of God is going to listen to this? Me being the person I am, and t- I don't know if your listeners have already picked this up about me, but I don't exactly keep my mouth shut over things. <laughs> uh, I'm not exactly known for that. And uh, so I said, well, at what point do you get something wrong so much that you kind of have this epiphany that maybe you should try something else? Mm-hmm. Maybe try a different career maybe try a different career and her response to me was classic she said oh honey there's too much money involved for him to do that yeah that makes complete sense like him or hate him he sells a lot of books so that's my Hmm. perry stone story awesome well as they say in the 12 steps thank you for sharing Now, number two. Okay, moving on. You know, can, let me just interrupt because I know that Jim Baker's going to come up. He's actually next. Okay, I, I, I intuited it. Let me just say <laughs> something. Here's what's really interesting for me doing this recording right now is actually several weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, as of this recording has not aired yet, but I interviewed Jay Baker. No, you didn't. Yeah, I, I interviewed Jay Baker. Oh, I'm so excited. So, yeah, I I interviewed Jay Baker, and I asked him before the show if it was okay to ask him about his parents. His mother, Tammy Faye Baker, great gay icon, and kind of a wonderful person, and kind of nuts. And, uh, but his father... In the best way, though. Yeah, in the best way. And she was a really incredible person who was one of the first people to have a a man dying of AIDS on television. I mean, she she really did a lot for the gay community. And then, but his dad is now this notorious lunatic of a televangelist. And, you know, I, I asked Jay how he deals with that. I encourage everyone listening to this 
to go listen to that interview with Jay because because Jay Jay's affirming Jay right? Jay is affirming of gay marriage. Jay is a I mean he's he's a recovering alcoholic, super progressive, very very affirming of all people, and he's wonderful and like the polar op and very sane. I mean just very down to earth and sane and honest and reasonable, like the total opposite of his dad. And I asked him how does he deal with his dad. You know, coming from someone who is the son of two ministers, how do you deal with living with this incredibly famous, very infamous, pro- infamous <laughs> televangelist? And and he said that, you know, they don't agree on most things, but that he stays in touch and he just tries to love him and he tries to stay in contact with him. And he, he gave a really... What I found, I found his answer to be deeply convicting because, you know, I think Jay acknowledges that his dad is kind of a lunatic and yet he still is putting in all the effort to to stay connected and loving and understanding even when he totally believes that his dad is wrong. And and so, you know, now doing this, doing this show is really well, it, it's supplemented very well. It's complemented yeah. very well with that interview by Jay. So everyone definitely go listen to that. And let me say, you know, we've had many discussions about Jim and Tammy Faye, and I feel like they are the perfect example between the two of them of lunacy versus eccentricity. Right. You know, Tammy is a little nuts, but we love her. And she was deeply eccentric. She's passed now, but she was deeply eccentric. Deeply eccentric. I mean, the poor thing, Holiness Pentecostals hated her because of how much makeup she wore. <laughs> I mean, she she got... She dolled herself up. It was she, ridiculous. She got so much hate, Stephen, from, the, from my sector of the Christian world. Wow, that, that's that, crazy. I mean, this woman was beat up on all sides. I mean, I, there should be an ep- you, we should do an episode just about with Jay her. or something just about her. Yeah, because you know I have always had a place in my heart for Tammy Faye Baker. Yeah, I have and, too. You know, and you may, you bring up a good point because a lot of these things, a lot of these people, my family still watch. Yeah, and still take into a and you know still value their opinion and have some very, very, what I consider bad theology and bad opinions, but I still deeply love, love them. Yeah, me too. You know, at the same time, you know, I grew up in this and I don't regret my upbringing. It's part of what made me who I am today. So I understand even in the midst of making fun of this, I make fun of it because I used to be there. You you know it. Yeah. And, and so this is really getting at the heart of like our complex relationship to this stuff. Um, yeah. You know, Jay just so eloquently expressed his complicated relationship his complicated relationship to it. And I really heard myself in his answer. Like, yeah, I am 100% opposed to this shit. I am 100% opposed to it. I think it's dangerous. And, you know, I'm still a fan of the word sin. I think it's sinful. I think it misses the mark. I yeah. think, and I think that it is in moral error with great consequences. And yet, at the same time, these are my people, <laughs> and yeah. I love them. Yeah. You know, well, it, it's you know, so complicated. That's one of the, so one of the great things about being Southern slash Appalachian. Yeah. Is 
we don't we don't deny our crazy family members. No, no, we we you know? own it. We and it and uh yeah, my family's crazy. I'm a bit crazy, and we own that complexity. Yeah. So anyway, Jim Bay in that spirit, and I don't feel bad knowing that about making fun of Jim because I know that oh, Jay is, Jay has always taken his mother's side. As a matter of fact, I think she lived with him until the day she died. So. Yeah, I have no problem making fun of Jim. It, this yeah. is this is just it was just a, a really interesting supplement to this. I never grew. I was too young. I missed the Jim Baker days. Yeah, but from what I've seen and from what I've looked back on, you know, post you know him going to prison and then the immediate years after, there's a couple of interviews, a really good one with Barbara Walters. He was a very even keel man. Yeah. He wasn't. You know, he wasn't. Something just happened in the last decade that maybe he watched one too many episodes of Doomsday Preppers, you know. <laughs> I don't even know if he really believes it. I think he just saw a valid market. I think Because here's the thing with Jim Baker. He mm. knew what he was doing. Yeah. Him and Tammy Faye knew the power and knew how to run television. They also knew that they were breaking the law, you know, during the scandal. True. Yeah, I true, mean, true. And, and and Jim has had multiple affairs, and he's broken laws, and he's like, this did you know there was a lifetime? Criminal. Did you know? Did you know there was a Lifetime movie made about their life, and Tammy Faye Baker was played by Bernadette Peters? Oh my God, that sounds amazing! It's on, it, it's on YouTube. You have to watch. It. I will. Any, I love Bernadette Peters. All right. I do. I know. I know who better to play. <laughs> Tammy but anyway I guess what I'm getting at is I think I don't know how much of this he actually believes because he knows how to look at demographics and all of that and I'm sure he noticed somewhere along the line that the same people that watch TBN and that watch uh, Trinity Broadcasting watch Daystar watch all of these you know Christian television yeah. probably also really were were bit also watch Doomsday Preppers and yeah. you know all uh, Ancient Aliens and all this other stuff and he's like hmm <laughs> I can probably make a buck off this yeah for sure but anyway so Jim Baker's latest thing this was in April 6 of 2008 let's see here so not the latest 2008 no. or 2018? 2018. I'm okay. Sorry. Okay. No worries. This is the or this was the latest thing that the website had on him. So apparently he stayed pretty quiet. Which I encourage your listeners sometime, just out of morbid curiosity, to watch an episode of his show. It comes on multiple channels. You're liable to find it just by channel surfing. Okay. Found it. This one was written again by Kyle. Okay. Kyle, I tell you, this man is, he's taking a bullet for the team, I tell you. He's like Batman. Jim Baker, attacks on Trump are a sign that America is in a war against God. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, okay, <laughs> read that one more time. Attacks on Trump are a sign that America is in a war against God. Mm, very good. Okay. So this was written... A this was written, of course, on April 6th uh -huh. at 10.59 a.m. if you really want the timestamp. On his program yesterday, televangelist and prepper, pa prepper pastor, I love that. <laughs> uh. Prepper pastor, say that 10 times fast. <laughs> uh, Jim Baker declared that the attacks on President Trump are a sign that America is in a war against God. Our president, comma, full stop, okay, grammar has never been these people's strong suit. Uh, 
<laughs> Our president, it is like he is in a war, Baker said. He is not running the country like he should because he is trying to defend himself. Don't kid yourself. He is in warfare. Oh, triggered. Triggered. <laughs> For listeners, we're on a Skype call. We can see each other, and I'm like visibly shooketh. (laughs) Shooketh. Uh, Warfare is just a a big trigger word. (laughs) Yes. We can talk about that Uh, later. Yes. God spoke to me today on this broadcast. Yes, he did, baby. Yes, he did. What you are experiencing in this nation through the television uh-huh. and through all the networking and through Hollywood and through everything now, everything. I say it like that because it's in between two dashes. I figure it's for it's figure it's for dramatic effect. Uh-huh. Um, you are feeling a spirit, which is the spirit of Antichrist. Oh, my. There is a war in the world against God. Mm-hmm. Unquote. Baker said that it's hard to get out of that character. <laughs> I'm a little now, fried. Now you can't you can't be having a psychotic break on me, Donald. <laughs> not not in the middle maybe, of a recording. <laughs> maybe I should take my antidepressant or something. It's like because that that was a little hard to, to get out of. But uh, <laughs> Baker said that Christians who ask why would God give us a president who swears? Why would He give us a president who has had affairs with women through his lifetime? calling the kettle black need to remember that king david was also a womanizer and that just about every american president has had multiple affairs yeah and you conservatives impeached one because of it yep one of the most loved presidents of all times from the information that i have firsthand had multiple affairs daily in the white house we're not saying who that was baker said rather cryptically you say how could he know well, somebody had to bring the women up the stairs. Oh, God. And that's the end of that article. Mm, goodness. Yeah, he, he probably slept with them before he handed them over. You know what this is bringing to mind, actually? Uh, I, I think it was back in 2015. I read this fantastic book called The Anointed, and I cannot remember the name... No, it was 2016. I, I can't remember the name of the authors, but I'll I'll put the link in the show notes. It's by two scholars, two academics, who basically are like, why is it that American evangelicals keep going to lunatics? Why is it that they keep, you know, gravitating towards lunatics? And Donald Trump is the latest lunatic in a long line of evangelical lunatics. Not that Donald Trump is evangelical, but that evangelicals anoint these people as leaders. I think he's their I think he's their king. Yeah, he is he is their god emperor. Who says that? Is it Milo Yiannopoulos who calls... No, Milo Yiannopoulos calls him daddy. But um, (laughs) what this book basically lays out is that, you know, they try to answer the question, why is it that the evangelical world is constantly gravitating towards lunatics versus people within their own world that are far more credentialed? For example, why is it that evangelicals go, you know, gravitate towards Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis fame and the Creation Museum, who is a pseudoscience fraud versus someone like Francis Collins, who is an evangelical Christian who is also the head of the Human Genome Project, a thoroughly legitimate scientist? Or or why is it that they gravitate towards David Barton, who is a pseudo-historian with a very strong political agenda, kind of theocratic, uh, Christian theocratic agenda, versus someone like... 
I'm not remembering the name right now, but perfectly valid evangelical historian. And why is this? And basically what the authors come to is there's this concept of the anointing, the anointing of God coming upon someone. And once, and that is what qualifies. And you can't question that. And you can't question, you can't question it. question because you are immediately slapped with that touch not mine anointed verse, you know, that you can't speak it. And, you know, we're also told, I was always taught that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was to call something that the Spirit was doing demonic. Right. So if you question the Holy Spirit or you question, well, you, let's be more accurate. If you question somebody's claim that the Holy Spirit is telling them something, mm. you're in danger of the unforgivable sin. Right. And so there is written into this theology an irrationality that keeps charlatans in power. There is, yeah. in, it, it, there is, in fact, within the DNA of the belief system, within the structure, the scaffolding of this belief system, tenets that keep people from thinking clearly. And so, you know, once someone becomes anointed, they cannot become unanointed in the eyes. Right. And, and it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter how atrocious or disgusting or vile they are as human beings or what their expertise are because there's this supernatural higher credential called the anointing of God that comes upon them. And once evangelicals believe that they see the anointing in someone, they can't get rid of it. They can't. Well, say that yeah. this is this is the break that that has happened. I grew up holiness, Pentecostal, very Wesleyan. Right. Which had its own problems, but part of the safeguard that we had was that anointing and character were inextricably linked. Absolutely. As in, if your character was off, if you were not living right or you were not holy, mm. then whatever anointing you claim to have, you didn't. Right. And by the way, the, the authors of that book are Carl W. Giberson and Randall J. Stevens. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's a great uh, book. I looked it up. Do they go into it all? Like, because I can't help when I read stuff like this, but think that the same, the same circuitry in the brain is firing when people go by this is going off. Like for people that believe like the moon landing was a hoax or that the Earth is flat. Oh, totally. I think so. I mean, I'm you know, not like I'm, conspiracy. I don't know the science behind that, but I feel like there's a reason why. People who are into forms of fundamentalist religion are also conspiracy theorists. I mean, there's, and actually there's a really interesting book by, out there by a guy named John Ronson, and he's one of my favorite writers. And one of his earliest books, it came out shortly after 9-11, is called Them. So in this book by John Ronson, he does crazy stuff. I mean, he... He infiltrates white nationalist groups. He infiltrates an Islamic terrorist organization. He infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan. He tries to crash. Oh, oh, he breaks into Bohemian Grove, uh, accidentally launching Alex Jones's career, which he has since really regretted because he did that crash with Alec, you know, he he did that with Alex Jones. He tried to break into the Bilderberger group. And and so basically what he does is he aligned himself or he didn't align himself. He infiltrated these conspiracy theory groups. And what he found was that there was a very tight link between radicalism and conspiracy theory. 
and that hmm. for some reason these two things go together. Absolutely, and I mean that's what this stuff is. And the thing is, is we are seeing live and in Technicolor right now how dangerous believing this information in the wrong hands. Yes, can be PizzaGate. Hello. Yes, uh, exactly. You know, so I've got three more because I know we're well. So what we can would you like to do another show? Yeah, sure. Let's do a two parter. I think this okay. can I think this can become a two parter. But finish okay. your thought. Is is there any we can wrap up this this section for Jim Baker? Jim is making money on this conspiracy that that you know that at any moment society is going to collapse. Mm. So. Which, by the way, did you happen to ask Jay Baker if he has a couple of tubs of the freeze-dried stuff? <laughs> I should have. No, I didn't ask him that. Because you know that's probably a very popular Christmas present. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the last th- the last I saw, he was also selling water purifiers and generators. I mean, I, I don't know. There's not much more I can say about Jim Baker except that you know you just gotta you just got to have the experience once. I mean, when he when he introduces guests now, there's like blasts of three or four shofars and oh which. My God. Uh, which for listeners who aren't familiar with evangelical life, shofars can be a very triggering noise. <laughs> yeah, they really can be. All right. Well, we have Perry Stone and Jim Baker. So I think we're going to turn this into a two-parter. We have so much more to cover. So Donald, thank you so much for joining me. This has been lots of fun. Always a pleasure. So for those of you who want to support this show, please go to iTunes and write a kind five-star review. You don't even have to write a review. Just leave five stars. And that really helps me get more guests. It helps expand my reach. So if you are out of money and out of time, one thing that you can do to support the show if you enjoy it is to just go to iTunes and take three seconds to leave five stars, and that really, really helps me out. Also, be sure to go... Just remember, brothers and sisters, if you sow that seed... (laughs) If you sow the seed... If you sow the seed, you'll get nothing back. You'll get me... You'll get a hug. I'll I'll give you a hug. (laughs) I'm I'm sure I could grab a, a bottle of apple cider vinegar and tell you it cures cancer or something and send it to you. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, <laughs> you could also also please go to my Patreon, which is now live. Patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. It supports my show and my blog. You, for just $5 a month, you get an entirely separate show, the House of Heretics podcast, which is an unedited show where me and Justin say things that uh, should probably be edited, but aren't. (laughs) Um, Also, please go to sbradfordlong.com where you can find my show, my dozens of articles about faith and doubt, sexuality, mental health, and anything that strikes my fancy. All right. Is there anything else I need to plug? I think that's it. Oh, the music is by the Jelly Rocks from the album Bang and Whimper. You can find it on Spotify and iTunes. And the artwork is by Justin Kayla Bryant. And I and we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>